Welcome to the Unlock Podcast, your once or twice weekly informational podcast on all things lockdown management related. We hope to help you get through what you need to get through so we can keep it together while we social distance apart. I'm Jet Akuzar. I'm based in the Philippines. And I'm Jantina Fong Nigaman. That's N-I-G-G-E-M-A-N-N, a Filipina based in Hong Kong, and we are your hosts. For the rest of the season, we're excited to have Hanani Fernandez as a contributor to the Unlock podcast. Hanani, like us, is new to podcasting, and we are so pleased to have another individual and another style to join our little collective of Filipina voices. Welcome on board, Hanani. Hi, guys. Welcome to Unlock BH. I'm Hanani Fernandez, and I'll be your host for today. And today's guest is Chef Baji Montoya, founder of Serap London, a Filipino bistro in the heart of Brixton. Hi, Budgie. Thank you for joining me live from London today. Hi, Hanani. Thank you for the call. Yeah, I know I didn't give you much of an introduction there, but that's because I'd rather it come from you. Um, Can you give us a brief background of who you are? Uh, My name is uh, Ferdinand Montoya, um, more affectionately known as Budgie Montoya. It's a a nickname that I've had for a very long time, so something that that I sort of go by nowadays. Um, I'm the chef and founder or owner of Sarap uh, London, which is uh, a neighborhood restaurant um, in Brixton. I was born in the Philippines, in uh, Danao, uh, but mm. uh, I was raised in Sydney. And yeah, I was there for most of my life. Moved to London about eight years ago, um, where I changed my career and started cooking. So I've only been cooking professionally for the last eight years. Before that, I was in um, IT and telecommunication sales. Yeah, so that's... Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I think cooking was something I always sort of wanted to do. Moving to London, um, it was kind of a scenario where we had uh, sort of a new life and a, a new outlook on, on things. And I, I figured, you know, new country, why not a new career? It's something that I sort of wanted to do before. So here we are, eight years later. What age did you leave the Philippines? So I left around five years old, four or five years old. So yeah, so I was born there. And then my my mother came to Sydney. So she left us with our, our aunt and uncle and our cousins while she went off to Sydney to, I, I suppose, pursue a, a better life for all of us, uh, me and my, my two, older, uh, two older brothers. So we moved to Sydney in 1989. And what, what made you move to, to London? It was something that, so when, I think it was back in, I think it was 2009, um, my wife and I, uh, we traveled around Europe. Um, we, we always loved to travel. So I think we traveled around Europe and we were traveling for about almost two months. And we kind of got to kind of got back and sort of said, uh, you know, we, we, we loved an opportunity to sort of travel and see the rest of Europe, you know, and also just experience different cultures around the world. It was sort of the place for us that made sense to, to have a, a base around where we could do that travel. You know, Australia is pretty far from the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> wise. Um, so, you know, we, we sort of went and we, we thought that uh, London would be the best place for us to, to have as a base for us to do our traveling. Well, yeah, London is easy to fall in love with. It's it's hard to get away from. Yeah, it's an amazing sort of my amazing city in terms of there's always something to do, um, no yeah. matter sort of no matter what your 
your circumstances are there. There's always something to do. And I also think uh, it's it's also uh, an interesting sort of um, scenario when you, you know, for the majority of the year, the weather is terrible, but then you have, you know, months of amazing weather and amazing sort of buzz around the city and it just makes you forget about exactly. the last nine months, last, you know, 10 months of horrible weather and, <laughs> and, and, and the city is just filled with such amazing vibe. Exactly. So moving to London and like having a new career, um, mm-hmm. how did you get started in being a chef? I think it was pretty stock standard. I kind of made a list of all the restaurants I wanted to work in, knocked on their doors, got rejected by pretty much all of them because uh, mm-hmm. I had no experience whatsoever. Luckily, I had my wife's cousin who was working in hospitality in Sydney, worked with a chef who had moved over to London. And he was working as a sous chef um, for Soho House Group, uh, a place called Dean Street Townhouse, English um, Brasserie in Soho. Um, so that I managed to get a trial there um, and also got a trial in another place in Bermondsey, which was a, a sort of Italian place. And both places offered me a job and I chose the Dean Street Townhouse job felt right for me at the time. I started working, you know, washing salads and, and doing all the uh, jobs that people don't really want to do but have to do so I think wow. that's where everyone that's where everyone starts so yeah um that was it yeah I mean I think I applied for some manner at least 100 restaurants that I couldn't get a foot in the door so how did Syrup London come about yeah how did you birth this concept I mean, it's, a, it's it's a funny one because I, I I never set out to do the Filipino food it was never in the plan or even in the in the thought process of, of doing uh, Filipino food. I remember uh, actually read it. It came up on a, a, a sort of one of those memory things, you know, those you get mm. those Instagram memories and all those things. And um, I, I, it prompted me back to a, 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 an old blog that I wrote when I first started like changing careers and things like that. Mm. And, uh, I think it was in 2014. I'd come back from a trip uh, from Sydney and I really missed, it made me realize that I missed Filipino food, uh, more so, more, more so my mother's food. And so then I kind of went looking for, you know, Filipino cuisine in, in London. And, and I just, I, I, I mean, there was small pockets of Filipino food here in London. You know, you've got Earl's Court, which is big Filipino community there. And I think a lot of that was very much geared towards the older generation, if, if I can say mm-hmm. that. <laughs> yeah. Know, the, 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 so the traditional formats of, 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 our, of our cuisine. And, and you know, I, I, it wasn't something that I was looking for uh, mm. to eat. You know, I, I sort of wanted that. Uh, I wanted interpretations of Filipino food, but I wanted it to be more relevant to where we are. You know, I wanted right. I wanted something that was, you know, Filipino, but also, you know, using local ingredients and things like that. And, and I never really sort of found that. Mm. And, and I guess that's where the sort of idea came initially as a thought, um, you know, to, to do Filipino food, but I suppose with with a local narrative attached to it. Just a more updated version of of your mom's cooking, kind of thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. With, without without trying to sort of say that it wasn't good enough or anything like that. I mean, it, yeah. it, it was, and it definitely is. You know, it's, you know, I, I crave traditional Filipino food as much as the next person. But at the same time, I think it's for for the for our cuisine to grow and for our cuisine to be sort of more recognized, I think we need to sort of go outside of that box and also target uh, non-Filipinos. And I just didn't think that that sort of traditional path wasn't going to 
attract new new people trying our food for the first time. Yeah. I think I think dinner goan kind of scares people when they figure <laughs> out what it is, right? If they have no idea what it is. You know, sisig is is a classic example of, of an amazingly delicious dish, but you tell someone that it's chopped up pig's head and <laughs> you know they will they will freak out a little bit so exactly. I, think, I think it was it was that was sort of the beginnings of it and then i started to wrap maybe yeah to end of 2017 as a supper okay. club um oh, so i was working yeah. i was working as a chef somewhere else and I, I always had that feeling or that niggling um sort of voice in my in the back of my head going when are you going to do this filipino food mm. thing when are you going to do this filipino food thing and uh my housemate at the time um you know i cooked something at home and my housemate at the time said uh this is you know this is great we should do something about it and so we started a little supper club just at a cafe downstairs from where we were and it's it's sort of grown and progressed since then end of two, december 2017 it was it's been a while then yeah i mean there's there's always been i mean there's there's been gaps in between and and you know there was like a whole 12 months i didn't do anything else but always there was that voice in the back of my head saying you should uh try continue pursuing this um and so yeah what i really wanted to do was expand on what was already established in 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 london um mm. and sort of open it up to as many people as possible that's kind of where the concept started uh, you know we sort of started with with the the word familiarity does that make mm. sense you know we we wanted things to be familiar so we wanted people that had never eaten the cuisine to have some sort of familiarity with the food but also we wanted people that ha- have had the cuisine to recognize it and be familiar enough to say yes that is you know that that dish has filipino roots to it. so what is your best selling dish at Serap london Funny enough, it's the the one of the more traditional dishes. Uh, it's the uh, it's the lechon. We do a lechon belly, and it's sort of you know people ask me you know what what lechon is it? You know is it subu lechon? And I, I I try to say I can't coin the 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 word you know the word le- London lechon because we're in London. It's it's uh, you know I I I can't. I can't say that I've ever had any diff, uh, you know, any other sort of lechons in those specific places. So, so it was, it was very much just we 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 got a basic idea of what what it all is, and and, we, and so yeah, we we sort of went with that, and it became obviously quite a big hit. And I think it's one of those dishes that really, t- especially in London, it touches sort of that word familiarity very very much. Mm. You know, mm. everyone knows what roast pork is, right. You know, from people looking outside it, who've never had the cuisine, they can relate to it as a roast pork, and and then obviously with Filipinos, every 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 Filipino loves lechon, don't they? So I think it, it was one of those dishes that naturally became um, our hero dish because mm. it was so relatable to everyone. And London lechon sounds so fancy. <laughs> yeah, well, that was that was that was the marketing side of. of <laughs> You know, one of the hardest things that we've had to do is, is set expectations. You know, mm. people coming into our restaurant expecting things that is traditional. And, and you know, I've never said that we were traditional. I've never said that that we were going to cook your mother's or, or your auntie's uh, food. You know, it's, uh, yeah. you know, or your Lola's food is, 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 is my interpretation of a memory of, yeah. of Pinot cuisine, you know, and, and also my interpretation in terms of everything this is such an influence uh, there's so many influences that have gone into it um and not just the philippines so whilst the core of the the, the flavor and addition and 
I've always sort of said that I want to keep the flavors as authentic as possible because I, I, I want people to understand those flavors. So if they ever go to the Philippines or ever try something else, those mm. flavors are recognizable, but the dish may not be recognizable. You know, you, you won't find, uh, I did a Sisig Scotch egg. You won't find that in, in, in the Philippines. No, it's, not, yeah. it's not a traditional thing, right? But it was, for me, it was making sure that the flavors of Sisig, the textures of the Sisig and, and all the components of Sisig was, was there and, and, and then making it familiar to the local market, which, you know, Scotch eggs in, in, in the UK is a, is a big thing. So that was, that was the, the thought process around that dish. So Syrup London opened in January, right? Your brick and mortar, your store, your restaurant. Yeah. So I first standalone site, uh, January. Yeah. We had like a soft launch on the 26th and then we officially opened to the public, uh, everyone uh, from the 31st of January. Mm-hmm. So a realization of, 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 of several years of, of hard work and, and, you know, sacrifice. And the, yeah, then COVID happened. Exactly, yeah. So how have you coped with this pandemic? Yeah, it's been a, it's been a weird one. You know, I think we've worked so hard mm. and, and, and sacrificed so much to try and get this place open. And, 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 if, and my focus has been on Serap for so long. Mm. Yeah, to have, a, to have an opportunity to realize that dream. And then to have it taken away by something that's completely out of your control was was a really bit of pill to swallow. Yeah. So yeah, the first I suppose in terms of coping with it, the first couple of weeks was very much sort of almost almost like a death in the family, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, you know, it was it was really hard to sort of deal with. Um, and then after that, we kind of looked at it from a, a perspective of okay, you know, let's let's see what we can do. And, and I think for the last sort of well, up until now, we've we've definitely been going back and forth and, and trying ideas and 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 looking at ways we can we can either reopen as what we were before, or you know just looking at all the avenues, what works, what can work, what will work. You know that that's been my sole sole focus for the last three months, really. But having said that, I I think for me, it sort of created a response where I I I just didn't want to be in that same position of vulnerability again with mm. with Sorap and 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 the business itself. So and so I've been working uh, on sort of a new concept that takes the essence of Sorap and and I suppose our hero dish of, of Lechon. So we're calling it uh, Sarap Baon, and, and the idea will be uh, a smaller, more more targeted menu. So I know you guys have been feeding the frontliners in London. Can you tell us more about this initiative? Yeah, so it is, um, I guess, a group initiative that was spearheaded by kind of Lungan Filipino Society. They sort of approached myself and a couple of other people uh, within sort of the Filipino food community. We've got a little small group called Filipino Food UK. And it's it's a, a group of us who are obviously pushing Filipino food within the UK. Um, so they they approached us if we could do some food um they would organize um and facilitate it i think they were what was happening was they were getting lots of sort of inquiries from uh, frontliners who had just arrived in in london before covid hit and moving to a, a new place a new country is, is difficult enough and having the fact that they can't socialize and and any of those things makes it even more difficult and you know you can't assimilate and you can't sort of get a hold of, of, of the culture that you're in and, 
So I think there were a lot of Filipino nurses and, and frontliners that were missing Filipino food. So they asked us to do some something for, for that. I think they worked with Maria and Mark for uh, and Food With May, uh, May from Food With May initially to, to sort of get the ball rolling. Um, yeah, so the, the, they set up a GoFundMe page and I think it was it was initially designed to just do one run of one like one of uh, cook off to help mm. those people and it was so popular that we've been going on for I think I don't know how many weeks now six or seven weeks oh wow yeah it was such an amazing sort of community mm. around it and um, and most of it's been done through their homes yeah it's not like we're doing it in a restaurant or or anything like that it's just stuff we can do at home and we mm. send it out so um, Brixton is yes. a multicultural area. That's where Serap London is based. Um, yes. It's la- largely populated by the Afro-Caribbean community. Yes. I mean, you have the Brixton market and plenty of international cuisines there. Um, has it been difficult to gain traction for Filipino cuisine in Brixton or even in London in general? I think the London food scene is very diverse in itself and getting traction for well-known cuisine or well-established cuisines is difficult enough. So yeah, I mean, let alone getting traction for a cuisine that is relatively unheard of or unknown within within the, the dining scene in London. Yeah, it's been a difficult sort of ascension. But I think at the same time, we've done a lot. We've, we've sort of, like I said, there's been a couple of, or there's quite a few of us now pushing Filipino cuisine in London. And I think as we've come along and worked together and, and communicated together and tried to push Filipino cuisine as a, as a group, as a community, we've we've mm. been able to do a lot more. I think having that united front has really sort of helped us um, bring bring that forward a lot more. Yeah, I mean, it's always going to be difficult to bring something something new into to an established city, but I think yeah. we've been we've definitely been well received. We had uh, we had a review of one of our pop ups from the Evening Standard. There, we got four out of five on the on the food. Wow. Um, you know, I was recently did, and it was recently published, a interview and a recipe for the BBC Food magazine. So I right. did uh, the barbecue pork skewers. Um, nice. And I just spoke about the history of, of, of Serap and, and I suppose Filipino food and, and whatnot. So I think we're definitely making uh, inroads in terms of, of traction. Still a lot of work to, to go, um, you know, but it's slowly but surely the attention is is, is shifting and, and people are starting to, to look at Filipino cuisine. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when I was living there at five years old, I don't even remember going to any Filipino restaurants. It was yeah. all just in your friend's house or your tita's house. Now it's it's pretty much not everywhere, but it's it's definitely grown. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it definitely isn't everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but it's definitely, you know, even even from the, I suppose, two or three years or three years that I've been in Filipino cuisine, the, the amount of, of new traders and the amount of new sort of people cooking Filipino food in London has grown exponentially. As a third culture kid, like growing up in basically three different countries, how has it been an advantage to you? Has it become an advantage in your line of work or and industry? Interesting one, actually. I think for, for me, it's 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 helped in the sense that growing up uh, away from sort of the Philippines, I'm, I'm, I've grown away, I've grown away from the traditional side of things. Um, right. You know, I grew up in Sydney with a Filipino mother and a Spanish stepfather. I spoke right. English, and so I can't speak Tagalog now. You know, I think that's kind of 
helped in the sense that I can look at things without the restrictions of tradition, if that makes sense. I've always said that you should respect tradition, but you should never be bound by them. I think that has helped being a third culture kid. It's helped me be able to look at it from an outside perspective um, and sort of ask questions around our cuisine, you know, instead of asking, instead of thinking about or taking the, the recipe word for word, I can sort of ask the question, how is it relevant to where I am right now? And I think that's definitely helped uh, the cause because, you know, ultimately for me, I don't need to cook Filipino food for Filipinos because I don't need to convince them that Filipino food is delicious. I need to convince everybody else that Filipino food is delicious and worth going out to eat. Um, So I think that's definitely having that view of outside of tradition is, is definitely helping Basically, you want to present or reintroduce Filipino cuisine to London or even the world. What is driving you to do that? Why are you so passionate about sharing our food to others? That's a, that's a hard hitting question, isn't it? <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess, I guess, I guess moving more from what we were talking in the last question, I guess for me growing up, you know, I, I, I sort of growing up, it was a difficult path of finding my, my identity. You know, I, I grew up in Sydney and I, I very much wanted to be an Aussie. I, I, I felt in my heart that I was that, that I was an Aussie and that was mm. who I was. But at the same time, you know, I, for obvious reasons, couldn't be mm. 100% Australian, that, uh, that, that, that Aussie, uh, because mm. I was Filipino. I was born in the Philippines. I, I have Filipino parents. And I think growing up, the, that finding that identity was always sort of difficult. And as I got older, you sort of feel a little bit more comfortable with your with yourself and who you are. And getting older, I realized how far away I was from my, my roots, my, my heritage. And I think food, well, food, well, I didn't speak the language. I don't speak the language. I have very few, few Filipino friends uh, growing up. Um, the only sort of Filipino people around me were obviously my family and friends of my mother and their kids. And we weren't really, I wouldn't say I'd go out for drinks with them or anything like that. It was, they were just, they were there, but they weren't <laughs> a huge influence of, of my life. So I think that for me, food was the only way back into the culture. Um, and it was the easiest way in, into the culture. So, you know, through food, I've been able to reconnect with my Filipino roots and, right. and my heritage. And, and that's why it's so important to me because the more I discover the food, the more I, I learn more about the history, the, the culture, the, the things that are important. As I learn more, uh, I feel more connected and, and I kind of just want to share our culture and, and share our cuisine with as many people as possible. I think now nowadays I'm very comfortable with, with the mantra that I have an Aussie, I'm an Aussie at heart, but, uh, but my soul is Filipino. So um, in an article, you told them that you aim to create an identity for Filipino cuisine in London. Mm-hmm. Why do you think our cuisine has been so silent all these years globally? And how do you plan to change that? It's a, it's a question that bugs me all the time, actually. Mm. You know, I think I think it's a, it's a really sort of interesting rabbit hole to go down. There's definitely talks to different people. And there's I think there's definitely things of, of uh, colonial sort of history that that have played a role in 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 things in in that in that sense that you know it's 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 not popularized but i also believe that we as a people are very much geared towards the community you know we we tend not to oppose or rock the boat if that makes makes sense you know we, yes. we want we want to have harmony within our community 
your first instinct is to assimilate and to put your head down and work and be a part of that community. Mm. And I think trying to drive something that isn't normal in that community is sticking your neck out a little too far. You know, it's rocking the boat. It's it's something that it's it goes against our sort of community spirit. Right, right. If that makes sense. Yeah. We don't um, want to make too much noise in exactly, exactly. unknown environment. Exactly. And I think <laughs> yeah. and you know, I look at it from my perspective when, when I moved to, to Australia, I wanted to be Australian. I didn't want to be, mm. you know, I wanted to be seen as Australian. I wanted to be uh, as Australian as possible because that was me assimilating. That was me not opposing the, the community. You know, I, mm. I wanted to be a part of that community. And it wasn't until later when, when, when you start to, like most teenage kids, have a voice or think you have a voice and you start to act out on things and, and you realize, you know, you're rocking the boat. And, and, you know, as soon as you start rocking the boat there, you know, you've got your titas and your uh, lolas and telling you, hey, calm down, settle down. You, just, you can't rock that boat too much. You have to just sort of, uh, go with the flow. I think, I think for the sake of harmony, we tend to oppress our own culture, if that makes sense. What makes Filipino cuisine so different from other Asian cuisines? What is our unique selling point? You know, that's, uh, you're, now you're asking all the difficult questions, right? <laughs> um, I, I like how you've sort of easy to the, 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 the questions and then <laughs> the last three have been uh, have been difficult ones uh, I think that the main difference for us is you know our, our cuisine is such a, an amazing fusion of cuisines of world cuisines and I know there's a lot of a lot of Asian cu- cultures have different sort of influences and not, whatnot but you know you look at our history of colonialized history and pre-colonialism we had the Chinese uh, the Malays the sort of the Aboriginal indigenous um, influences and then we had the Spanish and Mexican influences through that period of 300 years and then we had we had the American influence as well so I think all of those together with our sort of ability to mash them all together and make it our own cuisine. I think that is what makes us, you know, we only look, look at things like um, sasawan, right? We mm. Every time we have a meal, we have sasawan, a dipping sauce. And that's because everyone is different. So we have, you know, a dish, but you can customize it to how you like it. Do you want it spicier? Do you want it more vinegary? Do you want more salt? Do you want... So, you know, we, we have that as as a way to customize our cuisine. And, and I think it's one of those things where it allows our cuisine to be customized by anyone and everyone so that they can enjoy it. So from just our conversation now, it, I, I personally don't see Syrup London as a restaurant. Um, it's, it's, it's going to be an educational tool or a channel just to show London, which is such a diverse city of who the Filipinos really or Filipino cuisine really is. How does it feel to be in that position of responsibility? Well, yeah, I mean, yes, it's it's 100%. You're 100% right in that sense that it's an educational tool. It is for me. The food was a gateway to my to my culture and to our culture, and so it's helped to educate me about uh, about the Philippines. So, you know, naturally, that's what I wanted to do for for others. I've never really looked at it as as a responsibility, if that makes sense. I, I guess 
I don't put myself on on a pedestal to say that I am, you know, telling people to this is the way we should be. And and I guess uh, I, I guess I'm not that hero, if that may be. <laughs> um, you know, I just want to do really delicious food, and I really want to just I want people to love and enjoy what they eat and ask questions about our cuisine, which will then drive them to ask questions questions about our culture, our people, what we do, and hopefully it drives them enough to want to go to the Philippines and see it for themselves. I think you can call yourself a role model. I mean, the, the, <laughs> way, the way you talk about, you know, the Filipino heritage and the food and how you want to educate others, it's, it's inspiring for third or the second generation Filipinos born in the UK yeah. or who lived in the UK. I'm sure they've gone through the same kind of identity crisis as you have or as I have. So for someone to kind of lead or just stand up and be vocal about it, I think it's 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 such a great thing to see and quite ex- inspiring. Thank you. Well, I mean, yeah, thank you. It's it, like I said, it's, it's a byproduct of, I guess, my my passion towards rediscovering my culture. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's snowballed from there and and, and I, I learn more and, and the more I learn, the more passionate I become about it. And, yeah, I mean, I think that's where it all starts. You know, it yeah. has to start with that 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 little flame, and yeah. the more you feed it, it gets bigger and bigger, and people yeah. will be drawn to that fire, right? Yeah. Um, so I know the Department of Tourism has been quite aggressive in promoting the Philippines there. Have you seen the effects of that marketing strategy, especially in the food industry in London? I can't say that I can attribute anything or any of that to the food industry specifically, but mm-hmm. I, I can say that there are a lot more people talking about the Philippines than there were 12 months ago, 18 months ago, three years ago in our restaurants and, and in, in, sorry, in our pop-ups, you know. Um, so I think that, that there's definitely been uh, an increase in, in awareness of, of, of Filipino food culture. So, uh, yeah, of Filipino culture. So um, whatever they're doing, I think they need to keep doing it and they mm. probably need to keep going harder and, and pushing it more. So um, finally, <laughs> I'd like to ask, um, where do you want to take Serap London in the next few years or even in the next month? And yeah, I have a follow-up question after that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, look, I think you know, for right now, it's been it's really been difficult to see past survival right now. You know, mm. we 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 are in the middle of the pandemic. Our restaurants are shut. We can't operate in a way that we want to. But ultimately, where I want Serap to be is is I want it to be at the forefront of accessible and craveable Filipino cuisine. That's mm-hmm. That's been the goal from day one. We just want people to see Filipino food for what it is and how delicious it is. And we just want to be at the forefront of that. We just want to keep pushing that. You know, and as for the cuisine itself, I, I guess for, for me, it's uh, I want Filipino cuisine to be recognizable as mm-hmm. its own cuisine. I think we can do that through Sarap. Whatever Sarap will look like after COVID, you know, the goal will still be the same. It will always be to to make Filipino food accessible to everyone. 
Well, you kind of answered my my follow-up question <laughs> already, which was where would you like to see Filipino cuisine in the future or on the global international platform? Definitely, I want Filipino cuisine to be Filipino cuisine. You know, I want people to look at it as as its own identity. But I just, I that's that's my driving my driving goal. I want I want Filipino cuisine to have its own identity. Do you have any last words or any advice for those budding Filipino chefs around the world? Yeah, um, in any sort of advice I could say is push, continue to push Filipino cuisine. You know, our food is amazing. It it shouldn't be something that is kept for our homes we should shout about it we should we should talk about it you know we i've worked with a lot of filipino chefs and non-filipino chefs and, and and it's an interesting to see that the only time filipino cuisine was ever shone a light on was when filipino chefs would cook it for staff meal family meal and right. and, and the, the the words would always be the same from non-filipinos this is delicious yeah if you're a filipino chef do what you have to do learn what you need to learn but Filipino cuisine needs you and Filipino cuisine needs more champions. We will never get to a point of, of critical mass in terms of, of, of our uh, having an identity for our cuisine if our own people don't promote and push and, and further the cuisine. It's time to rock that boat. It is time to rock that boat. Yeah. It's fun. Thank you so much for just sharing your experience and your journey and just your knowledge about Filipino cuisine, you know, and your passion about it. It's been quite inspiring and very insightful. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. It's, it's, always, it's always good to have a platform to, to talk about our food and our culture. With that said, I'd like to thank Chef Budgie for giving us a peek into the world of Filipino cuisine in London. Thank you so much for joining us today. Go check out Sarap London on Instagram and Facebook. See you guys in the next episode of Unlock PH. Thanks for tuning in to the Unlock Philippines podcast. We're definitely learning as we go along as this is a homegrown and homespun effort using whatever tools are available to us at the moment. We hope you found this uplifting and useful. And if you'd like to reach out to us, we are at unlockph.podcast at gmail.com. See you next week.